What's up, party people? This is Ian Lenhart coming at you from Santa Monica, California, and letting you know that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And let me tell you, last night was absolutely bonkers. So in California, the waves are legitimately glowing in this blue avatar-like uh, microorganism type deal, and it's absolutely incredible. Let me explain what's currently happening. People have flocked to the California beaches at night to observe the magical blue glow of the ocean waves or bioluminescence. This phenomenon is caused by marine plankton, otherwise known as dinoflagellates, in the large algae bloom known as a red tide because it causes the water to appear red during the day. The bloom occurs when environmental conditions allow growth of the plankton. The recent bloom is due to the nutrient-rich runoff from heavy rains earlier this spring. Therefore, these bioluminescent organisms emit radiant blue light when disturbed, such as when the waves crash on the shore. Historical records from the Scripps Institution of Oceanography show that bioluminescence red tide was first documented in the early 1900s but only appears every couple of years, which is absolutely incredible because if you were to take your hand and just run it around the sand, the sand lights up in this blue fashion. It is just gorgeous. So go on to Instagram, type hashtag Venice Beach or California Beach Blue Glow, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But today is a damn freaking good day because we have one of my absolute all-time favorite guests on the podcast. Been trying to make this happen for it feels like over a year now, and it's finally going down. Let me tell you about Dodge Sports. Matt Dodge is the founder of Dodge Sports, which is a full-service athlete management and marketing agency specializing in professional mixed martial arts. And representing many of the biggest names in the UFC, Bellator, and other national and international fighting organizations, Dodge Sports affords their clients the opportunity to expose their brands across multiple sports and entertainment platforms via a singular agency with a vast array of services ranging from career management and media relations to life licensing and philanthropy. Now I have known Matt since I was a wee lad. He's one of my earliest best friends that I've ever grown up with and he has always been such a hustler, such a go-getter and just such a good person. I mean this whole agency deal has been in his blood since I've, I've first known him. So to see how quickly, how fast his agency has blown up and the amount of incredible humans that Dodge Sports represents, I cannot begin to explain how excited I am for you guys to listen to this story and take some notes. Make sure you have a pen and paper out, open up the brain waves because we are going to learn today. In this episode, we discuss what it takes to get onto the largest fighting platforms and build a brand as an athlete, the behind the scenes of building a sports agency, how to think outside the box in order to get your foot in the door, and lessons in negotiation and landing amazing sponsorships. As always, you can watch this podcast with Matt and I live on YouTube. And without further ado, episode 94 with Matt Dodge. Let's jump into it. And we're live. Matthias Matthew Dodge is in the building. The, the man that I have looked up to since a wee little lad. I've known you for my entire life. You've been a best friend. You grew up across the street from me and i am so glad that we made this happen today matt how are you doing my man 
I'm great, Ian, and I'm super proud of you. I'm happy. I'm almost episode 100, I think, on this, which is incredible. So props to you. Dude, we've come a long way. I mean, a long way from hanging out in the lofts, playing a lot of Halo 3. Uh, The priorities are a bit different now, but good times. Yeah, if any clients are listening, I don't play any more video games. It's all all business now. (laughs) (laughs) It's all business. I'm talking back in, you know, junior high school, middle school. But one thing that I've always just gotten so excited about your journey and and being your friend and something I've been very grateful uh, just to be aligned with you is you've had this kind of hustler, ambitious side of you starting in, in like freshman year of high school. You were out of like you were just on another level where you'd always be thinking just how can I build more opportunities? How can I bring on sponsorships? Like you were thinking like an agent so much way before you ever jumped into that. I'm, I'm talking like a decade before. And I remember, I mean, you, you somehow saved up so much money at a young age, which I was always just like, how did you do that? Like you had this frugal mindset where you're like money management has always come very good to you. And I'm just, that's something I've always kind of just been really huge respect for you since at a young age. I can thank my family for that. I mean, I come from uh, Italian immigrants, as you know, Ian, you've met my family, you've met my grandparents. Um, I think I just got lucky that that was instilled in me at a young age. And, um, you know, my family didn't, didn't, you know, take anything aside from that. I, I think one of the the main things is this mentality of, you know, hustle hard, work really, really hard, be very mindful about the things that you spend your, your time, effort and money on and focus on what matters, you know, and continue to put out uh, a good quality product and, and a good quality uh, a personality and good things will happen. So I've got, I've got my family to, to thank for that, the, uh, the Italian side for sure. Yeah, and you're not all about looking wealthy. You're about actually being wealthy. Yeah, I mean, wealth comes in a lot of different ways, right? Um, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm very wealthy in, 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 in many ways. You know, uh, I've got a great business. I've got a great fiance. I've got great friends. Uh, I've got a great family. Uh, and I think a lot of that comes down to just mindset, mentality. Um, so, yeah, things are, things are good over here on my side. Right, right. You're a man of there. There's so many words that you could say about certain topics, but you're always trying to not talk about yourself. And that's why this the whole podcast is going to be so interesting to me because you don't like talking about you. You like talking about others. You like helping others. You've been such like a caring human since the day we met. Like you don't like to just be you, the spotlight isn't your deal. Like you want to put people on you want to help people grow. And you love building deep relationships with people and those deep relationships have you know, 100% been the result of you having such amazing success at a young age inside of a very, very, very competitive field. And I think something that would be great for the listeners, you know, I'm going to, I did a whole introduction prior to this podcast, so people have a general idea, but you know, not only are you an MMA agent, you're also a technically a certified NFL agent. And I know that you kind of started in that direction and now you've, you've shifted pretty heavily into the MMA world, but I've told this story on the podcast and not as good of a way, but I want you to tell the story about when you first started getting into the, the agency world, you did something that was pretty gangster. 
And essentially, I'm talking about the story when nobody would give you an internship or give you a shot at even becoming it. And you did something that was very not talked about much in the world. And it gave you that shot. Can you tell us about that story? And you know what I'm talking about. Of course. Um, I think in order to achieve um, things like a, an industry like the sports agency or management world, which is incredibly ultra competitive. I mean, every kid wants to get into sports. I've had, I personally have had a GM mentality and to, to your point earlier, I've had a GM mentality for a long time. And what that means is general manager mentality. I've more so thought about putting pieces together to achieve a result or to, 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 to win. Um, and I've always kind of thought creatively that way versus from a player standpoint where I'm actually out there, you know, performing. So with that being said, the story that you're alluding to was when I was 18 years old. Um, I wanted to get an internship with really any sports agency that existed. So I started my, my call list um, from the top down. Uh, I started with really, really top agencies all the way down to guys that had certifications but had never represented a guy in three years, right? Um, and if you know anything about the NFL world, if you don't represent a player in three years, you actually lose your license. So I knew about that. And one, so uh, long story short, I was not getting through to a lot of agencies. I would get to, um, you know, their receptionist. I might get to one of their interns. I might get to somebody somewhere in the middle, but I was rarely getting to the agents themselves. And I figured I needed to pivot. I needed to be creative. So what I did was I started to approach it as a player, I started to, uh, I made up this alter ego that I was the quarterback for the University of Connecticut. Now, if you know anything about college football, back when I was 18, which is about you know, 13 years ago, um, UConn was not known for their football. Um, they still aren't today, but they were not known for their football. So the names, there wasn't a whole lot of name recognition associated with it. But the fact that I was a quarterback reaching out to an agent I got my foot in the door, and one of the first agents that I talked to, um, Mr. Fish, uh, he, he, he got on the call. Immediately, I let him know that this was not true, and I was just a young, ambitious 18-year-old kid trying to get an opportunity and trying to get a foot in the door. He said, come to the Bronx uh, and, and, uh, tomorrow, and we'll, we'll do an interview. Uh, I was on a train the next day. I got over there, had an internship, and um, that was the, the beginning of the sports agency journey for me. So anyone who's listening and wants to uh, break into an industry like that, just be creative. Think outside the box. Think unorthodox um, because those things, those things generally work. And then you hustled hard at that internship. I mean, like, like your life depended on it for years without getting any compensation or anything of, of that sort. Yeah, I didn't really live a life aside from um, just the working life. So I was going in at 7 a.m., 6 a.m. into the city, uh, commuting in, and then I wasn't leaving until 7 or 8 p.m., um, grabbing dinner, going back, eating it in bed, and falling asleep and doing it all over again. Uh, so I did that for a while, and it paid off. Um, this agent didn't have a single guy in the NFL. After we were done with it, we had a seventh-round draft pick for the Carolina Panthers, um, Sean Ware, um, who went to – University of New Hampshire, um, again, kind of with that small school vibe, just hustled really hard with some of these guys, um, found a way to, to get through to them. Uh, again, the, the, work, the, the, the work hard mentality got through to a lot of these small school guys that oftentimes were overlooked like I was. 
uh, when trying to get into the space. And we connected on that and just continued to work really, really hard. And he got an opportunity, played the league for a few years, and oh, the rest is history. So it's interesting because you hustle so hard to get that shot, like to get that first client inside of your business. In the sports world, it's everything. I mean, uh, a human being is essentially leaning their future on another human being inside of this management world. So, I mean, it's an intimate, deep connection and relationship that you have to build. So, I mean, just to get that first client, especially somebody of that stature, what did that mean to you? And, and, and also, how did you, that change the way you thought? Like, wow, like this is, this is something that we can do and we can do it good. I think what it meant to me was that I have a future in this um, and I can take things like God-given abilities and things that I've just naturally been blessed with and put it to good use, um, but also have fun doing it. Listen, the, the, the hours from 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. or 7 p.m., that was, those were not hard 12-hour labor days where I, I hated everything that I was doing. I loved getting on the phone and talking to schools, talking to scouts, talking to general managers, building relationships, because I love sports. I love NFL. I love MMA. So those, that 12 hours felt, it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it didn't even quantify to me, you know? So it was really, really relieving uh, to me to know that I could do something and be successful at something that I loved and also make a living doing it. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun. I don't shy away from the hard work. I, I enjoy working really, really hard and building relationships. But like I said earlier, the GM mentality, I want to build people up and put them in a spotlight and have them succeed, especially good human beings and good character people. We'll probably talk a lot about this uh, in the rest of the podcast, but Sean in particular was a good character person. He just needed an opportunity and a lot of people were overlooking him and it felt good to be the person, even at 18, to be able to push him forward and give him that shot and let him, let him accomplish his dreams as well. Give him a shot. Yeah. It's interesting to me because you have such a outstanding uh, book of, of clients today, just doing incredible things. I mean, you represent some of the best top athletes in the world, but I really wanted to hammer down to the audience listening that that was not, you know, built overnight. You didn't just think about this. I mean, this was a decade plus of you going inside and outside. It's like the whole iceberg effect. People see that top part, but they don't see the other 90% of that iceberg underneath that got you to where you're at today. And it's almost like you knew where you were going to be, but you needed to be comfortable not reaping the rewards. You were having fun. You were building the connections. You saw the big picture. So I'm sure there was obviously some bad days and there's some, there's some L's you take. It's all a learning lesson. But ultimately, it allowed you to make this magnificent pivot into one of the most exciting industries today, the UFC, MMA, big shout out. It's going down tonight, Saturday. Let's freaking go. First of all, right. how exciting is that? <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's on another level. The fact that the UFC right now has this platform tonight, um, being Saturday, by the way, um, th this platform tonight to showcase to the world on ESPN how great the UFC is and how great MMA is. It truly is an art form and it's like no other sport that I can tell you. So if you're a recreational watcher or rarely watch, I really hope you'll watch tonight and even in the next couple of weeks when they're going to do even more shows because I have no doubt that with this platform right now, 
MMA and the UFC can become a mainstream sport. And that's huge for my business. And that's huge for the clients that I represent. I love that you've always looked like whenever we get to hang out, I, when we're watching sports, first of all, you somehow know every single player on every single sports team, especially back in the NFL days, back when you were doing that heavily, because we really haven't been able to hang out much in person over the past two or three years. Um, but prior back in the SF life, yeah, I remember you telling me every single one of these people, and then you were getting into that UFC world. And you're like, all right, so this is this fighter. He's really good at this. He's really good at this. He's really good at this. You knew everything about every single fighter and you would just watch footage after footage after footage on these fighters just endlessly, you know? And it's like, I've always just been so fascinated at how much you love the sport and just how much you know about all these different players. Do you feel like having that innate ability to discover talents is a, is a natural skill you were born with, or is it something that you can truly learn and study just over, say, years and years of watching footage? It's, it's about learning and putting yourself in uh, situations where um, you can grow as an individual. Now, like MMA as a sport, I didn't really get, I didn't really get introduced to it until I was you know, maybe 15 or 16 years old back in the WEC days. But I can't stress this enough. If you love what you do, and this, this oftentimes becomes like such a, um, a, a reused phrase and whatnot, but if you love what you do, it's really not work. And I mean that. And to your point, like, I absolutely love watching MMA, but I love watching it in a different way. Like, I, I, it's not a spectator sport as much to me as it is an art form. It's like me going to a, an art gallery and, and, and looking and staring at a, at a painting that was done in the 1800s and, and examining it and understanding it and then taking the knowledge from that and using it in other, you know, other martial arts and other fights. So like I, I, I really get a, a lot of joy out of that. And it's, it's been a really integral part of my business because it's allowed me to fast track some of the guys, men and women that we represent today and not waste time on people that just don't have what it takes to make it to the next level. Like to be able to very quickly make an evaluation, make a judgment on somebody and either go forward with them or not, that is huge because time is, is, is a massive, is, is a resource that we just don't have a lot of. And especially in an agency like mine, which is small by nature, like we gotta be really careful with the people that we sign and we represent because one bad client could take up the time for two or three really, really good ones. So uh, I, I, I don't think I was born with that innate ability. Uh, I've developed it over time, but it has definitely been easier for me because I've loved it. Yeah, and your confidence about what you do is so high because you've done your research, you've built that backbone so that when you do sign these players, they can lean on you. And you like, like that face right there. Look at that. That's stone cold. Like we going to get it, man. I mean, you see things in people that people don't see in themselves. And it goes to show with one of your breakout clients. I just want to throw out a big shout out to Andre Yule. Uh, he was on the podcast actually, which you hooked me up with Andre a while back. And, you know, just hearing his story and, and where he came from and, and how you guys connected and, and everything that's happened. It's truly just amazing. So for those who haven't heard it, definitely check episode. It was one of your earlier episodes with Andre Ewell for the UFC. His story from kind of rags to where he is today is incredible. But Andre and I have a very special, unique relationship. Andre is one of my first clients. Uh, and Andre is currently in the UFC. But I mean, 
look, I, I met Andre at, a, at an LFA small regional show that had 500 people at it where Andre probably paid more money to fight on that event than he got paid himself, you know? So it's crazy. Some of these mixed martial arts uh, professional athletes really, um, they, they don't, they don't um, have a huge support system behind them until they make, make it to the big league. So I met Andre early on, and Andre is one of those really, really great character guys. And like you, Ian, has this infectious, positive energy that you, it's hard not to be around. Um, that type of thing is what I look for in the men and women that we represent, because this is this is a hard business and not everybody makes it but you have to enjoy you know the time you have with your clients and if you're going to invest the time effort resources and money like you know you've got to make sure that those people feel the exact same way about you and they're going to put it all on the line for you and i'll tell you what andre does that andre is such a great representation of my brand at dodge sports he's such a great representation of the uh, clients that we represent as well, but is also just a wonderful human being that is a good representation for the promotion or the business that is behind him, like the UFC is today. He does things the right way, he's positive, and he puts on a show, you know, and, and you can't really ask anything else from somebody in that position. So Andre's got a, you know, I've got a, a, a Andre has a real close place in my, in my heart with, uh, with the agency. Yeah, and it's a great story because it's it's a great it's something that you're working currently through with so many other of, of your clients. And I, I know personally I follow every one of them and I do feel like they share that positive, infectious attitude. I mean, because that's gotta be something that you have to have on locks because I mean you get that one shot at the UFC, you go from like, you know, zero to a hundred, man, real quick. And you gotta real be quick. able to you gotta be able to have a head on your shoulder to not one, do something stupid to F it up. Or number two, just to be able to really win under that, that higher pressure environment and then not to get cocky and to work even harder. So like, what are some of those lessons that you sort of, you try to aim to teach down on some of your current athletes, uh, just based on your current experience with, with progressing to that level? I think one of the major things in my, in my game is um, being able to put the pieces together around that person. Look, I've got... 20 plus clients. I'm not around them. I don't see them on a daily basis. I have to trust the people that are around them. So I've been fortunate enough to have coaches, family members, friends, people that I trust in and understand that they have their, the fighter's best interest. And I rely heavily on them as it relates to feedback, as it relates to where they are, the things that they're, they're, they're doing well, the things that they're struggling with, and then it's my job to, to communicate that in a, in, a, in a clear and concise way. So being able to kind of move those pieces around, trusting the people that are around them, I think has been a really, really successful um, uh, skill in, in, my, in, my, in my agency and, and in the game today. Um, but also we try to practice patience big time because there are far too many fighters today that are in a rush and they have the, mi the mindset and the mentality to get somewhere, to get from point A to point B in the quickest way possible, right? Like you're doing a startup and what happens when you do something like that is you often cut corners and you don't learn the valuable lessons along the way because it's about speed. It's about getting to the next level quickly. Well, maybe you're not ready for that yet. So what we do is we, pr we try to practice patience and try and have uh, our, our men and women understand that 
it's only a matter of time. There is no rush to get to the UFC or get to a major promotion. There's no rush to get to that first VC, right? That venture capitalist is going to put money in your startup. You don't want to just do this for a year, do you? You want to do this for 10 or 20 years. And if you mess up in the first few steps and you don't practice patience and you jump to things before you're ready to do that, there's no future in this for you. So that's one of the really, really important things that we try to drive forward uh, is your time will come. Trust the process. We've got good people around you that know what you're doing, that, that know what they're doing. And we'll get you there and we'll get you there and we'll make you, we'll make sure that you're, you don't just get there, but you're successful in the long run. So finding those right people, being connected with them just as much as you are with these athletes, right? You know, being able to, to, to have those conversations. Is there a certain cadence that you try to like almost constantly get these updates from your clients? Yeah, I look, I try to do it on a, on a, on a everyday basis. Um, they're training some of the fighters today. They're on like a lot of professional sports. They train three or four times a day. I mean, we had one of our fighters is Anthony Romero. He's a Canadian prospect, um, 23 years old. He trains about three or four times a day. He came down to Miami to stay with my fiance Haley and I um, once, and he would do a 5K run in the morning. He would do a um, uh, some wrestling in the afternoon, some jujitsu in the evening, and then another run. So there are four times that he's doing something to progress his career on a daily basis. We need to be updated fairly regularly to understand where things are. So yeah, I think unlike a lot of sports, and maybe it's just our agency in general, we try to keep that personal connection there. So I would say it's, it's on a regular day-to-day -day basis. And that is also, Ian, why we keep the agency small. We keep the agency small by design so that we do not lose that personal aspect and that personal element. Because if we did, we might just be like all these other agencies, which, you know, they're essentially cattle farms. It's, it's a numbers game to them. They throw what they can on the wall and see what sticks. And they don't have any regard for um, the individuals that are at stake here. We see them more as fighters, we see them more as a dollar sign. We see them as human beings. So long, long story short, um, we try to keep, keep the, those relationships and those conversations happening on a day-to-day -day basis. Yeah, it's interesting too, because you're, you know, your time is limited. You want to keep this family-like mentality that you've built. And the culture with Dodge Sports is just great. I, I love rocking it. I love watching the fighters. I love seeing their come-ups. Big shout out to Jasmine, by the way. She's a beast. 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 Savage. It's also, I'm blown away. Like, you know, obviously, typically throughout the history, you know, men fighting has been something that's been much more proliferant, a prolific, prolific. I said that wrong. But sure. it's the women that are some of the most unreal fights in MMA. I, I think with just watching women compete in the UFC has been one of the most unbelievable experiences I've seen just in, inside sports in general. I mean, it's like that lioness mentality, these two just absolute warriors going at it. They go harder than the guys in a lot of situations, which is so exciting to watch. The truth is um, a lot of times women feel like they need to, uh, you know, show up even more and put on a bigger show, even more than the men uh, to be, to get that respect, to garner that respect that I, I, uh, you know, I have so much respect for the women and women MMA, and it's amazing to see their come up because this is a sport that was against that for a while. Dana White even said only a few years back before Ronda Rousey, as many people know, uh, before she even came into the game, he said that 
females and women MMA wouldn't exist in the UFC ever, right? And now they've headlined cards. They've been fight of the night. To your point, Ian, they're some of the most most looked forward to and anticipated fights. So it's incredible for that. And speaking of Jasmine in particular, um, she just does things the right way too and puts on a show. And she is absolutely has all of the makings for somebody who can bring women's MMA even further than where it is today, not only in our country of Canada, but also just in, in the world in general. So I'm really excited about women's MMA as you are. I, I enjoy it. There's a fight, uh, one female fight on tonight's part, uh, and then a couple more in the next couple parts. So keep an eye out on those. Yeah, it's so interesting. You see these women fighters that are, you know, beautiful outside the ring and they're so composed and, you know, they're so well-spoken and then something triggers, and this isn't just for the women, but, you know, something triggers in their brain, they go full savage. It's like, damn. Full savage. Yeah. Elbows, knees, whatever it is, you know, um, no regard for anything. And that is, that is MMA to its core. What is, uh, I just saw recently on UFC there. I mean, it's not UFC. It's a different organization. I think it's called bare knuckle fighting or something like that. Yes. So mm -hmm. what's, is that something on, that's on the come up? What's, what is that? That's been around forever, right? Um, fight club kind of esque in a sense. Um, it just was never really sanctioned anywhere. So it was always happening. It was just never on pay-per-view <laughs> or television for people to see. Um, I'll tell you, they get, they get paid a lot of money. We've had a lot of MMA fighters uh, on, on the Dodge Sports roster get bare-knuckle fighting offers. Here's the thing about it. Um, it's not a smart decision. Most people who are fighting bare-knuckle are generally doing it for the paycheck um, because the paychecks are high. You're really putting yourself on the line and you're, you're risking your health and your wellness for entertainment in a not really super safe environment. So every single time we've had a bare knuckle offer, I've said, thank you, but no, thank you. Um, because I don't want um, our fighters to stand for those things. Now, if someone did approach me about it on, on roster and said, Hey, I want to do this. I would hear them out and I would talk, uh, we would talk about the pros and cons associated with it. But yeah, I, we're not here for the paycheck. We're here for, you know, the legacy in a lot of ways. So, I, but bare knuckle is definitely uh, something that you can see today. And, and it is on the come up. There's a lot of guys who are in the UFC today who are now doing bare knuckle. But again, a lot of it's for, for the dough. Got it. Makes sense. Now, something I wanted to speak about is your negotiation skills. I mean, you've always been, you've always been one to tack, you know, tactfully like figure out a way to get what you want. And, and you do it with such pose and, and resilience. And that's, ever since we were young, you know, little, little dudes just out here trying to like talking about these dreams, you've always figured out a way. Like I, we worked back with the Valley cats a long, long time ago. Shout out. I was bending soda and water. You were my manager. Shout out. And you were always figuring out different ways to just work yourself around this, the organization. And it was, again, something that I always just looked up to you for. What have you found or, or some things that you could, you could tell us that, that you use when negotiating contracts? and and how uh some things you think about or look for and you know obviously you don't have to give us your secret sauce right but what are some things that you could tell us about like negotiation when it comes to these bigger deals that you've that you've learned in your journey so i will almost exclusively negotiate over the phone or in person um because there's a few cues and things that uh, i've found are really really successful in my line of work um, so I rarely do it over email or text message, right? Um, because if you do it that way, you can't, can't get these types of things. You have to be comfortable in silence. 
okay? That's a really, really important thing. The first person to talk usually is the first person to break. So in negotiations, it's okay to lay out your points and then be comfortable in the silence after, especially if you have an ask that might be a bit ambitious. Don't fill that empty noise or that empty space with noise. Let them come back to you and let them be the first to act. You have to be comfortable in kind of the uncomfortable aspect of, um, of silence. Okay, that's one of the really, really important things that I've noticed. Second, you come with facts, come with hard facts. In my line of work, it's all about statistics and past contracts, right? So in the NFL, you know what your player had and you know what another player had in terms of statistics and you know what they got paid in the next contract. Same thing goes for the UFC. You know how many wins you have, how exciting, how, how entertaining you are and what those contracts are, you know? Um, the other thing, and so come, some come with facts, come up with hard facts, do your research, don't just show up expecting to get away with, you know, good looks or, you know, being, being, um, you know, being super, um, you know, uh, you know, go with, go with what you're saying. Outgo exactly. Right. Um, lastly, I would probably say be creative, go in there trying to make something work. Don't go in there hard headed. Don't go in there saying, I need to get this or else I'm going to walk. Go in there saying, if I don't get this, I'm going to be creative and have B, C, and D uh, as my other asks. Because when you do negotiations, you have to have both sides feel like they're getting something out of the deal. But at the end of the day, you represent clients. You only represent one side, but you need to make sure that the other side feels like they're winning in some capacity. So be understanding, right? Uh, be comfortable in that silence and come with the hard facts. And you'll, you'll, you'll find that your negotiation skills will, uh, will certainly improve and, and you'll get more than what you're, you've get, you'll get more than what you've had in the past. Yeah, I love what you said about that. I mean, I've, I feel like I've made just personally, just inside of sales world in general, I've made some just big life changes in just the way I, f I think about negotiation. And some of the things that I've learned about are, are things you just mentioned. Like number one, always have options B, C, and D available. Don't put all your cards on the table right off the bat because listen like you can't just do that you're you're pinning yourself in the wrong way but also utilizing some some verbiage like hey look let me know what are the most important things that you're trying to change amidst the terms that we spoke about and then let me know what order of importance those are to you because then i can take those claims and i can do my best to bring it up to my management or my uh, board members or you know, my corporate staff to see what levers we can pull to make something work. And by doing that, it's like you get a really good understanding. And also, I love the question, uh, asking a question that isn't asked enough, but you know, is there anything that we haven't talked about that would put this deal at risk of not happening? And getting that transparency can save you so much time, especially in the B2B world, uh, and just in general, to be like, hey, look, what is it? Like, are we, are we on the same page here? Because I feel like too many times in my career, I went down long sales cycles in general and just with people and humans and because I didn't really put everything on the table. Do you know what I mean? I do. Never make assumptions. Just come again. And that comes with kind of the cold hard facts. 
have a clear path to success and understand not just um, are we on the same page, but are you the person that's going to make this decision? And if you're not the person that's going to make this decision, where are they? Let's get them in the room and let's talk about it. You know, because far off, far too many times, you'll do this wonderful pitch and you'll have this real badass um, negotiation with the person. And then they now have to negotiate on your behalf to their boss or the person who's going to make that decision. Do you feel comfortable with that that person can do as good of a job as you just did? And, and so, so you're, you're, you're spot on as it relates to that. Get on the same page there and make sure those decision makers are in the room and they hear it from you, not secondhand from the person you presented to. So something else that you guys do really, really good is you have an amazing list of sponsors inside the Dodge Sports community. And, and you love your sponsors. You're all about it. You, you rock them all the time. Uh, and that's, again, something that I've, I've always seen that you've been good with nego- negotiation and, and getting these good deals. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the sponsorship world and maybe the other aspect of your job that most people don't think about? Because I feel like as an agent, you know, you, you assume, okay, you're going to be negotiating contracts. You're going to be getting, you know, opportunities to perform, stuff like that. But something I've always been curious about is just the whole sponsorship world. And, and how do you think about sponsorships and, and, and just kind of that, that side of being an agent? That's the real hard work right there. A lot of agencies shy away from that and uh, tend to put more stock in fights and getting somebody to the next level. The truth is we're building brands here. So in order to build brands as fighters, um, we need people to back them. And to your point, the reason that I push the sponsors so hard right now is because if they're going to invest in us, when we have 20 plus guys and men and women, and they're going to invest in some of our guys that, you know, are only making a couple hundred dollars to fight and they're, they're working their way up to the big show. Well, I want to give them everything and more. I want from a, from a deliverable standpoint, I want to rip that sheet up and, and go and, and give them everything and more. I want to give them more than what they're putting in. I want their ROI to be 10 times what they, you know, what they invest, because if they see how long-term this could be, and they're willing to invest in us as an idea or the fighters as, you know, what they are today, God, they could be something really, really wonderful in the future. So we tie that in with, with our fighters too. Um, Now sponsors going after sponsors, it's about being creative. It's about understanding their needs, understanding their wants. We live in an ROI generated world now. So it's not about views. It's not about clicks. It's not about like those types of metrics anymore. It's just simply not, especially in COVID now where businesses are really struggling and they have to look at the bottom line and they're cutting costs. If it doesn't make me money, it doesn't make sense, right? Um, so then, so, so what we have to now do is make sure that everything that we do increases the bottom line of all of our sponsors. So we approach things very, very differently. We come at the contract standpoint of sponsors in often, in a lot of ways, from a guarantee standpoint, right? You've got a, a, a $5,000 sponsorship. Well, guess what? Zero of that is guaranteed. We have to earn every single dollar of that by hitting specific metrics. We sell five of your t-shirts. Great. That's $250 towards that sponsorship. We, you know, win a fight and we, you know, show your, your brand on national television, right? Boom. We hit the next type of lever. So it's about getting super creative, but again, understanding what the businesses care about and the businesses care about ROI 
Um, but I, look, it's, it's wonderful working with a lot of these companies today because um, I want them to succeed and I want them to grow just like our fighters are. What, what does like ultimate success look like for, for the Dodge sports community, say, over the next three years? Look, I, I want to take over this game for sure. I want Dodge Sports to, to be every champion in every weight class uh, from Dodge Sports. I want the fighters and the clients that we have to be multinational brands. I don't want them just to you know, be known in the MMA or UFC community. I want them to be known worldwide and I want them to be on Wheaties boxes. I want them to you know, take opportunities that come with this platform and build something that's sustainable. As a professional athlete, if anyone's listening who's in that kind of world right now, you have a shelf life. Like you, you only get a certain number. It's a finite amount of time that you're gonna have this platform. What are you going to do during that time? What connections are you going to make during that time that slingshot you for the next 40 or 50 years of your professional life? We're not just an agency that books fights. We're an agency that cares about everything else, you know? So I want Dodge Sports to, to, to have its hand in, in all, all aspects of our clients' lives. And I would love for, you know, the, the agency itself to start dabbling in some other sports too. You know, I think there could be, there are some, some, some unique sports today. I think soccer in the U.S. right now is, is starting to gain some steam. I think e-gaming, back to the Halo days, uh, shout out to you, Ian. I'm pretty sure you were ranked in Halo back in the day. <laughs> I would, um, actually, before Twitch even existed, I was twitching you. I was watching you play in a lot of ways. Um, I think e-gaming has... Uh, a tremendous amount of legs internationally as well. I'd love to have Dodge Sports have an arm in those types of things. And guess what? Let's cross over. Let's have our MMA fighters play with, you know, professional gamers and vice versa. Let's have them get in the ring and, you know, do a little grappling match with some of our guys. And th this is the way that you start growing those brands. Let's, let's collaborate. So yeah, Dodge Sports is about all of that. Man, this is exciting stuff. I'm I could talk about this for so long. I love hearing this. This is such valuable, just insights into the, into the brain of this amazing story. I mean, where you've come with Dodge Sports over the past few years is unreal. The sponsorships you've brought in, the people you've brought in, the records of these people. I mean, these are top quality prospects. And just to see you do it has been amazing. And something that I, I envy so much beyond just us growing up together and being friends is you've single-handedly got me so excited about the UFC because you're so passionate about it, probably just as if not more passionate than some of your fighters to the point where I know you're like, I almost don't like going to, to fights because I, I, I need to watch it alone because you get so like, you're so on, like you're so fired up watching these fights and like, cause it's not, it, it, it's a personal win for you. It's not like a financial win. It's not a dodge sports win. It's like, wow. Like I, you've seen where say Andre started and you see him get there and like that fills up that's like filling up your cup man and that's how I know Dodge Sports is gonna make it because the the leadership is so down with with the game the grind the insights the legwork it's so it's I, I thank you just for for bringing that excitement into my life and, and I'm assuming all your friends lives that weren't inside of this before and thank you for always bringing the positivity and being, you know, always, you know, you always support your, your friends and the people who are associated with you. So I, I appreciate that. But I think 
one thing that I'll say, uh, and this translates across whatever industry or business you're in, fall in love with your process. Fall in love with your process like that. And if you do, man, everything just is so much more fun. You know, I, I, I love recruiting guys. I love, you know, I love watching tape. I love watching these fights uh, and studying them and just improving my ability to make better decisions as it relates to bringing people on or, hey, you know, talking to coaches and saying, hey, maybe they could improve X, Y, and Z. I kind of noticed these types of things the reason I do that is because I'm in love with my process, you know? Um, so I think if you, if you find the thing that you're passionate about, it's generally easy to fall in love with the process. If you've got those two types of things, I mean, it's a recipe for success, no matter what you're doing, honestly, no matter what you're doing, you'll, you'll find success in it. If you can do those things. I love what you just said there. I had this thought earlier today. I'm just going to say it to our viewers. Um, so I've, I made this reference to a kapok tree and I like every day I get more excited about this whole notion of a kapok tree. Uh, K-A-P-O-K. It's one of the largest trees, if not the largest tree in the Amazon rainforest. Just a badass mm -hmm. tree. Really, really thick base. I mean, this thing takes years and years to, to grow. And people need to start thinking of their careers, their businesses as growing this Kapok tree. Like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes years and years and years to attract you know, the eagles and, and the jaguars and all the amazing animals of the forest into your tree. But if you try to pull the trigger too quick, you're going to have diversity problems. You're going to have species interacting. The whole, you know, metaphor here is that this is your business. This is your life. Put in the work and you can't lose. If you worry about vanity metrics and downloads and views and stuff like that, you will lose because you'll, you'll just get upset and you won't be in the right flow. But if you focus on being consistent, I love the phrase B minus work changes lives. You could be an athlete and have the greatest workout ever, but it might be better to just do B minus, you know, workouts consistently over a long period of time than to just crush it every now and then. Um, which ultimately, I think I have this idea of writing a book and studying basically huge success stories, kind of like a kapok tree, a lesson in, in consistency. I feel like that could be a future thing coming out. It's amazing. I mean, I, I love that. And, and look, if you're in a rush to get somewhere, have really good people around you that are watering the hell out of that tree, you know, because that's, I think that's huge. Um, if, if you, if you feel like this idea has to get from one point to the next quickly, because maybe the first mover advantage is incredibly important to you, right? Um, or this is somebody that once, once somebody sees this vid, this tape of this guy fighting in, you know, Australia, everyone's going to be all over him. So I got to, I got to rush there and figure it out after, right? Build the plane while I'm already, while I'm, while I'm flying it. Well, you know, if that's the case for your business, right? Bring on really, really good people to help you, like, you know, essentially watering that tree, it'll grow faster. That's so powerful. If you could go back in time and you could go to the beginnings where this all went down, maybe, maybe say 18 years old when you first got into the, this whole you know, world of, of reaching out to clients and building a, a book of business and just learning the skills. And you could have told yourself you know, one, two, or three things that could have saved you a ton of time, maybe a lot of money, headache, maybe a little bit of heartache. And obviously a very reasonable answer here is I wouldn't have changed anything because it, it's taught me, you know, who I am today. But just for the sake of the question, what are some of those things that, you know, current Dodge would have loved to tell baby Dodge how to do things? 
It's a great question. I probably would say it would probably be a little piece of advice and it would be, it would probably be two things. The first being um, you're not going to make money for a long, long time and you need to be okay with that. It is, if this needs to be a passion project for a little bit of time, that's okay. Don't rush that. Understand that there are levels to this game. There are. I mean, look at some of the top agencies currently representing some of the top fighters and NFL clients and all of that. There are levels to this game. And those people who are at that high level, they didn't just get there overnight, okay? So it's about leveling up. So we talk about when I was 18, I worked for that agency. Yeah, two years later, I worked for an agency that had three clients. A few years later, I worked for an agency that had 15 or 20 clients. Then I worked in my first UFC agency. Then I worked in another UFC agency, right? So I leveled up in that, in that capacity. But during that time, I was putting more money in than I was getting back significantly, okay? So I, early on, I wasn't okay with that. Right. Early on, I was like, man, what is this? I thought all athletes made millions and millions of dollars and all of that. Right. Uh, so be OK with that for a while and understand that that's the process. That's about leveling up. Secondly, um, it would probably be. When you are ready to go out on your own. You will know. Don't force yourself to take that jump and take that risk until you feel it in your core that you're ready to completely fail if it doesn't work. We, it took me a long time. Dodge Sports has only been around for two and a half years. We've got a great group now, but we've all, we're, we're in our infancy stages as it compares to a lot of the other agencies that are out there right now. So this is 10 plus years of just sports background before I felt in my core that I was ready to put my neck on the line for a lot of the men and women that I say that I'm going to get them to the next level and we're going to be successful to really feel like that is, that is the truth. And I, and I have the relationships and I have the connections and I have the know-how and the understanding and the knowledge to be able to make that happen. You know, um, So I would say, I'd say it's those two. I love it, man. And, and on, a, on a flip note, if you were to take that same ideology to somebody that's about to maybe start their first business or about to dive into something for the first time, they've been really passionate about it. They just aren't pulling the trigger. Maybe it's even reaching out to you or reaching out to an agency. Maybe it's just anything that they're right on the cusp of doing, but fear is holding them back. Fear of doubt, fear of failure, fear of you know, looking like an idiot. And what would be maybe something that you would say to that person that's right on the cusp? I talked to my fiance Haley about this. We actually just talked about it recently. There is so much time in the day. There is so much time. If you are, if you prioritize and you understand that you can do that full-time job that you're not super happy about and do this passion project and work just as long and just as hard. If you just prioritize, do you need to go out on a Saturday night and do happy hour with the, with the guys and the girls and, um, you know, not feel super great for the first few hours on Sunday, right? That's, you know, 10 plus hours worth of time that you could be working really, really hard on, on your passion project while still making money and still feeling like you're supporting 
uh, your dreams. I, I think the main thing is people jump sometimes too soon before they know how to swim. You need to understand there's so much time in the day. Just be smart with your time. Make it work, you know, um, make it work. Get up early, go to sleep late, you know, cut out the BS, cut out the bullshit, cut out some of the, uh, the negative people that are in your life that, that, that take time and suck energy from you. Once you do those types of things, you're going to have, you're going to even have some free time on top of what you're doing. Uh, and you're going to be happy about it. But more importantly, you're going to be setting yourself for lo- up, up for long-term success. Um, so yeah, that's, I think it's, it's important to know that there's, there's, there's a lot of time in the day. Yeah. And like you just mentioned a, a, one of my favorite words and it's Haley Wilson, big shout out, man, out of all the homies that have met people that they decided to pull the trigger on and, and bring that lifelong commitment of marriage and happiness into their lives. I got to say, Haley is one of the best humans I've ever met. And I am just so grateful that, you know, you're with her and that you guys are are doing this damn thing. It seems like so cool when you find two people that support each other and are all about building that legacy in that community. And she's got Haley's boot camp and she's literally one of the top realtors in all of Miami now. She just started that a few years ago and she's just quickly got her own practice and everything. I mean, you, you find some two forces of nature that come together and build. I mean, that's like, that is sexy. That is, that's like every entrepreneur's dream, right? Finding that yin to the yang that keeps it going up. You know what I'm saying? And it's everything. If you have a wonderful support system like I have with Haley, um, I mean, you can do, you can do anything, you know? Um, so if, if you're an entrepreneur and you don't have that, you're better off doing things on your own, you know? Um, but when you do find that and do have that, like I have with Haley, uh, you're, on another, you're operating on another level. And it allows you to uh, to really really be successful. She's a, a a super integral part of of Dodge Sports. Um, you know she supports the fighters amazingly. She's also technically, I mean, a client with uh, with Haley's boot camp, um, which is which is really neat. She's she's kicking butt with that. So anyone who wants to jo- join that, check Haley's boot camp out. Um, but yeah, it's a game changer, Ian. It really is. Uh, I'm so blessed to have someone like Haley on on my team and and really supporting. There it is. There's so much more we could go into, but man, Matthias Dodge Sports, it's so excited to see where you're coming from. And you're just getting started. The fighters are just getting started. UFC is only getting bigger. We got amazing fights tonight. And man, I just can't freaking wait to see another Dodge Sports fighter on that come up. I'll be, I'll be freaking glued to the screen. It's like, let's freaking go because I know how much goes into helping you know, these athletes get to where they got to be. And I know how much heart and passion you have and just being lucky to be your friend. I'm able to draft off that passion, like as if we're driving a car and it's just exciting. So for anybody that hasn't checked out uh, the UFC, the MMA or Dodge sports in general, I highly recommend, recommend following that and following some of these fighters and just like listening to their Instagram stories and, and, and seeing the come up stories. Because then when you watch the fights, it's like it puts this whole new lens on it. This isn't just two people just going at it. These are two hopes and dreams colliding under one roof. And whoever's hopes and dreams are stronger is going to come out in the front. And for that metaphor, fighting is one of the most interesting things on the planet. Man, Ian, I love the passion that you have about the sport. And it has come about over the last couple of years, I think since you've met Andre, 
you have this incredible passion about the sport that you found um, by just understanding the stories and the backstory for someone like Andre and then following the stories and social media of our clients. So um, that is so amazing that you get, you're able to share something like that. Um, I, I thank you for this platform. It's been an amazing experience. Uh, it's also been amazing to see your come up and everything that you provide from, you know, the network marketing uh, podcast and, and this and, you know, if you're not drafting, you're next to me, you know, we've got, we've got good things ahead. Uh, is there anything that you would like to say to the audience that they can continue to follow the journey? Uh, Instagram is at Dodge sports, uh, Dodge underscore sports. Feel free to DM. Uh, look, I'll reply to everybody's DM. If you've got any questions, you want to get uh, some feedback into the, the industry that I'm in, or you just want to shoot the shit. I'm more than happy to do that with you. All right. And this is completely unrelated, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna drop a little bit of the dream if you guys have never heard shoddy is a 10 this is about the greatest song of all time this goes back to junior high school high school this is the vibes baby we're gonna get it man we're gonna get it we're gonna <laughs> learn today till next time man i appreciate you thanks Ian. thank you for listening to another episode of len jones party of two if you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.